Welcome to Inside Athletic Training, a podcast from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainers Society, where major league and minor league athletic trainers share insight into athletic training at the highest level. This week on Inside Athletic Training, we sat down with Ryan DePanfilo, head athletic trainer for the Arizona Diamondbacks and one of the youngest head athletic trainers in Major League Baseball history. Enjoy the show. All right, Ryan, welcome to Inside Athletic Training. We are thrilled to have you on for episode four. We like to start each show by asking our guests to share a little bit of information about uh, the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society, also known as PBATS, and what the society has meant to you and your career as an athletic trainer. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, quite an honor. So I uh, appreciate the uh, the invite and you thinking about me. Um, yeah, for, you know, uh, PBATS is my goodness. I mean, I think I think all of us whom are active um, in the profession right now, currently, I think we're all indebted to PBATS and and how the society has played such a massive role, the advancement of athletic trainers and, and pro baseball and beyond. So, um, I, you know, when I think of PBATS, I just think about all the blood, sweat and tears that from the, the founding organizers sacrificed um, all those years ago so that the new generations like us, we can flourish, you know, to put it simply too, I think uh, PBATS to me is really about education and it's about service. Uh, if I had to put it down um, as simply as possible. And and those two, those two uh, concepts there are, um, you know, uh, such a big deal because it's really about giving back um, to, to the membership and then promoting athletic training, um, especially professional baseball and beyond through, through education and of its members and through, through service to them above and beyond. So, um, you know, and I, and I think beyond that, it's, it's really our calling um, as the current generation to continue to uphold that vision and mission to PBATS and continue to advance the, the progression, the, the, um, you know, to advance the profession to the next generation. So that's what it means to me. And staying on the topic of PBATS quickly, you're currently the head athletic trainer representative for the national league on the PBATS executive board. Can you talk a bit more about that role and what that means to you as well? Yes, absolutely. It's, it's, uh, it's such an opportunity for me, I think, to, to do my part in the service of PBATS and, and whatever, and whatever is needed. So I, I always never want, and you know me well enough, Sam, I never want to be the guy that has all these opinions and how things should be, but never get on the court and try to make a difference with those. And that's not who I am. So, um, what, so this is, this is an opportunity being, being, a and I'll, you know, head train representative, which was, um, you know, super grateful for, um, just be able to represent the, the, uh, NL head ATs across the league. And, you know, many of whom have been in this game way longer than I have. So I just feel honored to be able to even just be in that, in that role, but just to be a conduit of communication forum, help, organize, promote educational opportunities that uh, can showcase the many great ATs we have in the game and um, do whatever I can simply put to, to just uh, represent them well and to be able to uh, to, to uh, serve PBATs. And, and um, I, I surely never take that for granted. And I feel lucky and fortunate even just to be uh, have the opportunity to do that. Yeah, it's absolutely a great group of guys kind of leading the charge on the PBATs board, but kind of shifting gears a bit um, to what you do every day. You're currently the head athletic trainer for the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, a position obviously with huge responsibility within the organization. Um, Before we get into kind of the details about that role, I'd love for our listeners to learn more about your background and what paths led you to where you are today with the Diamondbacks. So if we can, let's take it back a bit to the beginning. Uh, Anyone that knows you well knows your roots are strongly tied to Boston and you love the city. Uh, but for the listeners, uh, can you talk more about, you know, your upbringing, where you're from, 
uh, were you an athlete growing up and also where you found your passion for athletic training and sports medicine? Yeah, absolutely. And it's always a little bit uncomfortable talking about, <laughs> talk about my, myself there. So I'll give it a best shot, but I think, you know, for my roots were, as you mentioned, Boston area. So I grew up in Saugus, Massachusetts, which is um, close to the city, just north of it. And I had, um, you know, growing up, I was a mainly, a, a, you know, played baseball when I was really, when I was younger, you know, till about high school. And then I always been a basketball player as well. And I played basketball through high school. So I was always involved in athletics in some shape or form. Um, and, and it probably, probably similar story to most, it, you know, I was, it was injured quite a bit and that's kind of what's, what put me down the path of, you know, my first exposure to an athletic trainer was at the high school and, um, just kind of seeing, you know, what, how that particular individual went about their job and wh what they were served, they were serving the athletes at the school. And I thought it was pretty cool. And, um, you know, being in the athletics background and then obviously dealing with the body and the, and the, and the sciences, it really was a, it was peaked interest. So, you know, from, from that point in time, when I had to choose what I wanted to study going into college, it was that, that really piqued my interest. And once I got into um, athletic training, um, studying that at Springfield college, it was the first couple of years, it was, you know, you know, just starting to learn the basics of, of the profession. And uh, I think that the thing I can accurately say is that every step of the way of, of that curriculum at, at Springfield college, which is where we're at, uh, it really, like I learned more and it was more intriguing toward me. So I was, by the time I was done with school, I was like, man, this, this is, I like this. This is really cool. And, uh, I, I, this type of field. And I, I really find, um, I really enjoy doing this. I go, I enjoy learning, learning what I need to learn for, to be really good in this field. Um, the, the, I found my passion there each year, each year of that curriculum. So, um, and then, um, then from, you know, from there it was, it was, uh, you know, coming out of school, uh, you know, had had lucky enough to be able to get to uh, land the position with the Diamondbacks, which has its own backstory of itself. I'm not sure if, uh, how much time we go into that, but but just just really briefly, we had um, you know Ken Crenshaw coincided with Ken Crenshaw being uh, coming over from Tampa um, when he was the head trainer there to being the head trainer with the Diamondbacks, and I had just come come out of school and um, he had been looking to you know to to hire some new positions. And uh, the funny thing was my my um, my it was my you know fiance at the time, my now wife, her, her dad. So my father-in-law now, while well, we stayed in contact with Ken and their roots trace back all the way back to New Mexico, the small little town, my, my father-in-law coached Ken as in basketball in, uh, in high school. So he, he, uh, they stayed in touch over the years. And when Ken was looking to fill a role, he had, he had contacted my father-in-law and my father was like, well, my, my daughter's dating this, this athletic trainer, I don't know if he's any good or not, but he reads a lot. So try, try his name. <laughs> luckily I interviewed and he took a step back because he didn't want to do any favors there. And luckily they, they brought me aboard the Diamondbacks and it's been, you know, since then it's been a, a, a it's been a, a unbelievable experience. Yeah. That that's a wild story and really just shows how small of a world um, it is about you getting your start in baseball. For sure. um, so during your time with the Diamondbacks, we'll jump into that. You've worked with some awesome athletic trainers throughout your career. You mentioned Ken Crenshaw, who is uh, an absolute legend in the profession and oversees sports medicine for your club. Uh, in addition to Ken, who were some of the role models you looked up to in the field of athletic training and specifically those that may have showed you the ropes along your way up to the big leagues? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Ken's obviously been the, the largest influence and I think many who have been lucky enough to cross paths with them probably can say similar. Uh, but I mean, there were so many teammates I've learned from and I wouldn't be here without their help and support along the way. And I, I'm a firm believer. I don't think anyone gets anywhere without help in some form or um, in some way or another from somebody else. So um, some of the names that pop out over the years, like Nate Shaw, who's who's been our you know, he, he's, a, he's our um, head, lucky enough to work with him. He's our head strength coach over here. 
PJ Mainville, who's 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 the director of sports medicine performance with the uh, the Cubs. Uh, he was a big role model. He was my first medical coordinator once I first got into baseball and learned a lot from him. Neil Ramp was a he, uh, he's he's with PJ now with the Cubs. I mean he's and formerly with the Dodgers. Um, he was uh, he was a, a phenomenal role model. Brett McCabe, strength conditioning coach now with the with the Yankees. Um, those are just names, some names that pop out. I mean, there's so many other ones that have along the way, the, you know, the, the, the Kyle Torgetsons with, with Seattle, Ryan Eubanks, um, with the Tigers. I learned from, I learned from all my teammates, everybody across the way. And I think I've been, I just feel super fortunate without that Jimmy Southern, Andrew Hauser, names like that. Um, I, I've, I've spent a lot of quality time with them over the years and, and they've always taught me some things along, along the way. And, and, um, and I'm super grateful for them and their friendship. And I'm, yeah. I'm probably leaving out a I'm probably leaving out a bunch of names and apologize to those I left out. No, and you you talked about uh, those those people who you know were on your team, um, never battling against them, always kind of working together uh, yeah. for that advice and, and a common goal. Um, so you obviously have gathered a ton of information from mentors, um, but on the other other side of things. Um, what advice would you give to college students who are are looking to break into the game of baseball? I know you have a kind of unique story, uh, you know, with your family connections, but what would you tell those people looking to, you know, maybe it's a PBATS internship or, or just any start in baseball? What's, what's the best advice you could provide for those students? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good question. And uh, my, my path is, was atypical for sure. So I wouldn't rely on <laughs> having some kind of long connection with, uh, <laughs> with, uh, you know, the way I, the way I had, but, um, I think the, 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 the question, the, the question that comes up to me when I, when I, when I want to um, respond to that is, is, is anybody that's, that's looking to get into baseball, it's really the question wants to be how much you willing to sacrifice to get what you want. I think that's the question that, that anybody, any prospective um, athletic trainer getting into baseball needs to ask themselves that because this job demands a lot of sacrifice. Um, as we know, it's time away from family, time and effort into getting better and continuing education, et cetera. And, and if you, if you can answer the question appropriately of if you're willing to sacrifice, you know, to make the ultimate sacrifice to be able to, to get what you want and, and have a career in baseball, then um, that's, that's the baseline. And then going from there, um, um, I'm firm proponent and just reach out. You got to reach out through, I mean, Dave Yeager does a great job with the internship program at PBATS, but that's always a great starting point. Um, try to reach out. You have to do the work. Don't, don't expect things to just come to you. You have to go and initiate, initiate conversations, initiate relationships that could potentially um, uh, provide you an in within the, uh, within, within professional baseball. So, um, and as we know, well, it's, it's one thing to, to have that in, and then it's another thing to be able to stay and to be able to continue to add value to your team. So, um, so, you know, for me, once you get into uh, baseball, if you're lucky enough to do that, you put in the work and the dedication and show the commitment and, and like, this is what I want to do. And you're willing to sacrifice, then you got to con- from that point on, this con- you got to constantly find ways to stretch yourself. Uh, um, and, and really like ultimately what it comes down to this is you got to put in the work um, to get so good. They can't ignore you. I know that's that we've tossed that, that, that phrase around a lot here is that, and that just, that doesn't just go for technical skills. That goes for ability to communicate, to be a great teammate, like, like stretch yourself and put in the work so that you, somebody can recognize you and say, you know, this person can add value to our team here. I think the easy thing to do is to get caught in a space of like, what can I do? Me personally, I want to get ahead. I want to do this. And I think that space can be very limiting versus the space of how can I add value to the team? So if you, if you get land onto a particular team, now the question becomes is how can I add value here? Not for myself to just totally, you know, like a bull in the China shop, just, just, I'm just going to mow down everybody to get where I want to go. It's, it's, that's to me, that's not the, that's not a great space to come from. 
um, the, a, a more powerful space to go, what can I do in this team right here that I can add value? Um, and then, and then, and basically put in the work to do so. Yeah, that, that's great advice for students and anyone looking to be part of a team. We know how important that is. Um, and taking it back to the days when you were still a student at Springfield College, uh, did you know from the beginning that you wanted to become an athletic trainer in baseball? Or did you perhaps have your sights set somewhere else? Maybe it was a different professional sports league or, or something something like that. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't quite, I knew I wanted to be in professional sports in one shape, uh, in one form or another. So I, but I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, wasn't completely sure. I was really open to keeping my possibilities open to whatever pathway. And uh, I look back at it now and I just feel so fortunate that it was that, that, you know, this, this is the first opportunity that came up and my goodness, I, I'm, I can't imagine myself in any other way, just the, what I've learned and, and how I've grown and the people I've met and the people who have who've impacted my life, not just professionally, but personally um, along the way with the Diamondbacks here and in professional baseball. So um, yeah, I wasn't coming out of school. I was like, I don't know, maybe baseball, basketball, football, whatever the opportunity presents itself. I was just, I wasn't trying to pigeon my whole, hold myself I was trying to open up to whatever possibility. And there's luckily some <laughs> super fortunate that this one popped up and I, I wouldn't change a thing. And, and shifting gears a bit, many of our guests have, have mentioned how important it is to continue to learn and grow. Uh, even when they reach the top of the field, like you being a head athletic trainer for, for the diamondbacks. Can you talk a bit more about the importance of continuing education um, and just overall keeping up with the evolution of sports medicine and athletic training? Yeah. Oh my God. So this is like, I can't overstate the importance of that. Like that is, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm always thinking like, and we, we talk to our younger teammates here um, that, you know, if someone, if I could put it like this, if someone really wants to be considered the top of their field and they don't love the challenge to constantly learn and stretch yourself professionally, then I would say like, that person doesn't really want to be at the top of the field. Like, I feel like that's a prerequisite, like that has to be there. So, I mean, you look at the habits of any giants, any field, any example you want to, you want to put there. you look at the giants of that field, the sustained excellence of, 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 of that, that um, level of people. Uh, I, I feel like it's no secret how they got there, you know? And um, I always, I always refer back to um, James Andrews. Um, he, he, you know, as we all know him well, um, he's a giant in his field. And, um, the, the thing that really stood out to me more, more than anything else is I remember seeing him at a, an ASMI conference and he was, he was literally, I mean, his, this is well, well, well into his, the success he's already built in his career. And he, he was at the front row of a talk that, um, of another talk during the, during the program, he was at the front row by himself with his notebook out, taking, taking notes, listening to the current presenter that was talking. And I'm like, if that tells you anything, right there. Like, like his, his success was built on his, his commitment to, to, uh, constantly learning, even at his stage in his career, he was still learning. He was still an open book of like, what, what else can I do to get better? And I think I always refer back to that example because that really blew me away. And, 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 and it's this commonality I've seen over the years of, of giants in any field of like, um, the ones, the really great ones, um, they, that's, they have, they share that commonality. Yeah, that's it. That's really interesting. Obviously, Dr. James Andrews is a legend in the field. And and most people, you know, if you watch an Alabama football game or see the Tampa Bay Rays or hear about a, a surgery in baseball, it's it's Dr. Andrews. And to see him still educating himself is is super powerful. Um, yeah. Speaking of communicating with your younger teammates and staff members that you mentioned uh, and continuing to grow, can you talk a bit about the difference between being an athletic trainer in the big leagues versus working your, your way up through the minor leagues? Um, and also how impactful and important that time is in the minor leagues for your career? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I think the minor leagues, uh, for at least in my experience was, it, it was about preparation and experience and, and, and really getting to know the, the ins and outs of, of what it means to be an athletic trainer in professional baseball. And I think the, the minor league experience for me was super important because um, I learned the daily flow, what works, what doesn't work, um, handling responsibilities with the strength conditioning coach together on your own and an affiliate um, handling the challenges and the scenarios that come up there, uh, making a ton of mistakes, learning from those mistakes. Um, that all was, was super, super important for, uh, for me, um, along the way. And, and I think the thing that helped me the most, honestly, I learned most from, from the failures that I had. And that was, that was reflecting back on them going, Oh shoot. Okay. I, I wouldn't do that again. Or, Oh, I see, I see how my error went that way. And just being able to be brutally honest with myself and going, like during that time in the minor leagues, and I could, I still do this today of going, all right, what, what can I still get better here? What, what else can I do? Um, and, and reflect and be brutally honest with myself and where I'm, where I'm at. So, um, from, from the difference minor league to major league, I mean, I think obviously the, you know, the, 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 I guess you can put it as like the, the size of the, the bullets or the importance of, of, of the situations that come through. Although they're all important, major leagues also is kind of where everybody kind of aspires to get to and where the most of the, where most, if not all the attention is paid. So um, at least from, from the outward and the public and from, from the front office. So, um, so the minor leagues, all, all the experiences you build up and that I, that, that I built up along the way that helped me prepare to, to in, in the scenario here. And, and I still continue to learn every step of the way, every situation presents its own unique challenges. So, um, you know, major league side of things is just, uh, it's just like the bigger, bigger environment and, and, uh, deal, you know, without the media involved and cameras and, you know, bigger stadiums and, um, uh, players and individuals at different stages of their career and how they impact the team and all of those, all of those, um, um, come into the mix there and, um, you know, agents a little bit more involved and, it's just a, it's a bigger kind of a bigger field that that uh, that presents another learning opportunity that wouldn't that if I didn't go to the minor leagues I know I probably would have even even not been here or would have would have really struggled. Yeah, and Ryan, you talked about learning what it means to be an athletic trainer in baseball uh, from your work in the minor leagues, and interestingly, our our past few guests Ben Potenziano, Corey Tremble, uh, they said the same thing: just learning how the organization works, learning what to do, what not to do. Um, those growing pains are hugely important. Uh, and one thing that our listeners have asked is they're very interested in hearing from you about the athletic trainer relationships within the entire organization. So uh, first off, I think everyone would love to hear about the head athletic trainer's relationship with the players. Can you expand a bit on that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that that's relationships are huge. Um, it's, and we're tre- ultimately when it comes down to it, if you really want to strip it down, it's like we're, we're dealing with people and, and that, that really goes to like any, any, <laughs> any field that we have, but we have to communicate with it. Communication is a two-way street and, and um, any, any field that involves communication, you're, you're dealing with people. So I think the, um, the one of the things that, that, that I've learned that is just, just super important is just maintaining really strong relationships as best you can with, with the players that you're, you're going to be spending a lot of time with them during the course of the, the year and, and, and even in the day as well. So um, the from an from a head athletic training standpoint, I, I see my role as just to make sure that we're that first off the players know that we can they have they can place their trust within us that we're committed to uh, we're very clear in our commitments to them. So um, and and you know I'm, I don't know if we've I'm sure we've had a conversation before, Sam, but like from a Diamondbacks perspective, like our um, our vision and we tell them this from day one of camp and and um, 
you know, our, our vision, we're committed to enhancing human performance and our mission every day uh, from a Diamondbacks perspective is we want to be the best sports medicine team in the planet. And what, and what does that involve? Like that involves a host of different things uh, of different qualities that we commit ourselves to its development, its excellence, its accountability, loyalty, work ethic, um, integrity, trust, honesty, intercommunication and, and team ability. That's, that's what we commit to on a daily basis for them. And, and, and it's one thing to be able to say things to them, but I think it's it, people are going to feel who you're being. And I think we, like from a head athletic trainer standpoint, if you're, if you're consistent in who you're being every day with them and they know what they, what the expectations are and they know they can trust you and they know that you're going to make sound, you're competent, you can make sound decisions for them and for the good of the organization. I think that's, that's a, that's a really crucial foundation to have when you're developing any relationships with a player. And, and you spoke about becoming the best sports medicine team in the world. Uh, we know you have a huge role within the Diamondbacks organization, managing the the athletic training staff at the big league level. Uh, what's it like working with such a big team um, at the highest level and handling communication and staying on the same page with your staff? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, that, that mission for us is like, who knows if it's attainable or measurable, who knows, but that's something that we like, Hey, you know, when, when we approach our day, when we show up to work, like that's who we want to be. And that's what, and, and um, so just a little elaboration on that. Um, you know, from, from a communication standpoint, that's a daily, that's a daily commitment for, I know me, for, for me personally, and Ken was such a great uh, mentor for this because he does it so well. And I was able to learn from him, um, uh, on t- at, at this particular level, but, um, it, it's crucial. Communication is absolutely crucial making sure everybody's on the same page. My personal responsibility on a daily basis is to, I feel like at times it's like an air traffic controller. Like there are a lot of planes landing. I want to make sure that whatever department, uh, needs a certain bit of information. I need to be able to provide that for them. The worst thing in the world, and I would be um, fail at my job if I, if I was leaving people in the dark or if I was not um, setting expectations with players, with with fellow sports medicine performance teammates, with with uh, pitching staff, hitting staff. Like I need to be able to uh, to give them uh, as much information they need to be able to to do their job well. So it's serving them. So. Um, uh, you know, staying on the same page is a daily commitment. I, I'm always reassessing that in my mind. Okay, did did I fill in so and so with enough information that they need? Okay, is this per, is this particular situation getting a little off track? I'm taking the responsibility to go. What can I do to, to to try to get this situation back on track? What communication do I have to 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 provide for? Uh, my, my, you know, one of my teammates or one of the players or one of the staff members, or maybe I have to sit down with everybody in the same room and okay, let's, let's talk this through and solve this together. So those, those are like, it's a constant, it's a, even in the off season, it's constant. So, um, so, I mean, that's, that's the least my commitment and, and what I've, what, what I try to bring to the table every single day. And you mentioned that you have a ton of information that needs to get out to your major league staff each day um, and every week and just throughout the season. But as you move further down through your organization, the scale of communication must get even larger. Uh, so how do you go about communicating with the many affiliates and coordinators uh, in the minor leagues as well? Yeah, that's um, so. So Kelly Boyce, we were so lucky. We have Kelly Boyce as our, our, our minor league medical coordinator and our relationship needs to be like really good. We have to, we, that uh, commitment and she's, she's excellent. I mean, um, she, she has the, the best handle on uh, she is the direct go-to for all our younger affiliate athletic trainers. And so, so a lot of the information that we got, we have to make sure that we're on the same page at all times. So whatever messaging gets down or whatever we commit to as a complete organization, as a complete sports medicine team, that, that we're living that too. So, 
So from an affiliate standpoint, um, you know, our, the way we set up our system is is um, from a chain of communication that goes from the affiliates to Kelly Boyce, Kelly Boyce to to uh, to to myself at the major league level, and then uh, what what I try to do as well is really commit to trying to reach out to the affiliate staff throughout the course of the year just to check in, and uh, um, and I think that's a big deal too because it shows you know it's it's easy what I've seen, and I'm not always perfect at it, and it seems it seems. Um, very easy to, to get caught up in the day-to-day at the major league level and ignoring that, Hey, these you know, are my minor league affiliate teammates are, are, are grinding as well. And they're, and they're, and they're putting in their, their bus in their tail throughout the year and to be able to communicate with them and to make sure that they're getting what they need and how, how I can help them as well and reserve time for that and commit to time for that is, is, a, is a very important for, or uh, showing that we care, that that I care immensely for them, and that I'm here to serve them as well. Then, lastly, many of our listeners are sports fans, and you know we always hear about medical reviews and trades that are pending physicals and things of that nature. And you also previously mentioned the media being involved at the big league level and the importance there. Um, I'm interested to learn more about how communication works between the athletic training and performance staff and the front office when it comes to uh, important things like the draft and trades and signings. Uh, could you elaborate a little bit on? that as well yeah absolutely so so my job our job as a sports medicine performance team is really to provide the most accurate usable information for the front office uh to make the best and most informed decision for the sake of the organization that's the, to boil it down into that so you know when a when a, a medical review or trade they comes through they'll they'll you know we're able to view uh the records we'll kind of get an assessment on on okay just based off of us uh, based off of the singular data point here of their file you know, what's, you know, what kind of history do they have? And we usually have some kind of a rating system um, that will kind of give, um, provide the information to the front office based off of that. And that could, that holds true with trades as well and, and signings. And it's essentially, we're trying to get, gather as much information to determine who's, what's this player, who, who could we be inheriting here? Um, and, and obviously our lens and what we specialize in is the medical side. So let's give, let's arm the front office with as much information as possible to make an informed decision. And there's, there's, there's still a lot of, there's, there's limitations with that that model, as we know, because once you get into in-house here and you actually get your hands on a person, you know, that, that changes the element. Obviously, from a from a work ethic character standpoint, that changes the element. There's a lot of other variables that that uh, you know you don't quite pick up from a from just looking at a file. So we try to we, again, we try to we're like investigators. We try to gather as much info as possible, um, you know, within reason and, and obviously uh, respecting the the the, the HIPAA and legality process of it um, to be able to get to be able to paint the best picture for the front office on on who we could be in, inheriting here and, and the risk level that that we could be inheriting. So, and our, our team, our entire team, it's a staff of, that does that. It's not that's not me. That's that's Ben Hager, our physical therapist. Ken's involved. Max Esposito, Kelly Boyce. Um, you know, we, we're all we all take part in that in, in system, and, and and together we come together as a group and go, okay, this is what we think. It's not just one person giving their opinion because we feel like the more heads involved um, the, that are that are in line and thinking the same thing, the better. So. And we talked about the value uh, of having such an amazing staff in Arizona with with people like Ben, Max, Kelly, Ken, and everybody over there. Um, I think a lot of our listeners who are students uh, would love to know what types of people you guys look for to join your organization, whether it's the most skilled athletic trainer, someone with tons of experience, someone who's willing to do whatever it takes to grind it out to make it in the game. Uh, can you elaborate a bit on the, the types of people and the character traits you look for when hiring either full-time positions or interns in the game? 
Absolutely. Yeah. And, and uh, we'll give a shout out to John Herzner too, who's our kind of our head um, with the internship program called next gen, which we've, we've created here. Um, so he's usually our conduit with any, any young interns that we're bringing in. Uh, but we have a system that we've developed over the years and we're always tweaking um, to try to get it better. But um, if we had a, if I had to boil it down, I think the, who we look for, there's, there's really three key areas. And I'm just speaking for, for myself here in terms of what I look for. Uh, but but, but the, all of us from a sports medicine performance team, from the major league side, all the way down to one of our first first year hires, we're all involved in this process. You know, so when, again, when we're, it, the powers and the numbers and, um, and when we interview interns or prospective hires, uh, we want to do this as a group. And um, a lot of times I'm, you know, anybody that's, that's, that's maybe listening now that that's maybe been interviewed us, they, they kind of know, they kind of run it. We run them through a gauntlet and it, uh, of several interviews. Cause we want to, we want to get the best perspective from multiple days and situations. We want to just get a, a good perspective on the perspective on the hire. And um, so that takes a lot of commitment and, and time, time involved from our sense, but we feel like it's well-placed because we're, we're, we're a culture of leadership development and we're always looking for the next the next uh, potential person in our organization that's going to lead this organization from an athletic training standpoint down the road. So uh, my job, part of my job is to be able to prepare the next person to take my job. And then the person after, and then whoever's in the assistant role, they're prepared to take the next person to prepare them. Kelly's a big part of her job is to prepare the next person to take her job and so forth. So we're all involved in this. So who we look for from a hire or an internship standpoint and break it down into three things, uh, work ethic, communication, and aptitude for me, uh, work ethic can never be questioned. It's, it's, you know, if, if there's any a hint of like, maybe this person doesn't give their, their great effort or full effort all the time. And they, they like to cut corners. It's not going to work for us. Uh, communication standpoint, that can be a tricky thing sometimes for young young professionals and young individuals who haven't really been through a lot, but um, they're just the ability to be able to articulate your thoughts well and to be able to, to just, just have some kind of depth of thought and to be able to, uh, you know, hold conversations with people that you can actually, you know, listen well, like a, like a big part of communication, the ability to listen well, in my, in my, in my opinion. And then finally, aptitude, uh, the ability to pick things up quickly, like like they have to have the drive, obviously, like a burning desire to get better and to continue to, to in every facet of themselves. But also the aptitude is a big deal. Uh, one of the bigger deals for me, because they able to the ones that I, we see really take off are the ones that can pick things up quickly, you know, and, and not everybody. Some people just inherently can do that and other people need to put in the work. It doesn't really matter as long as you whatever what you, what you need to do to pick up whatever you're learning and whatever is being taught to you, if you can pick that up quickly, then you really have an advantage. So, um, and then like above all else, Sam, like, like what kind of teammate are you? This is a team. This is no, none, none of us do this individually. We all do this together. We're part of a, a bigger picture here. Uh, when we're uh, athletic trainers with the sports medicine performance team and, and, um, in, in with the Diamondbacks. So uh, one of the biggest deals too, is what kind of teammate are you? Are you, we would rather take a person that a uh, first year hire that that is maybe not as skilled, maybe not as experienced, but man, do they work? Do they communicate well? Do they, they look like they have a high ceiling that they can learn, and they're just great teammates, and they and they they set a great example over the one that's maybe the most skilled and the smartest person in the room, but they don't they don't they're not very good teammates. So let's yeah, kind of that, break it down. 
that's extremely useful information for all students out there looking to get into the game and and clearly shows the importance of being overall a good person and an even better teammate, uh, just like yep. with sports. Um, taking it back kind of on that same note to sports, uh, you mentioned your upbringing and playing as many sports as possible. Uh, so shifting gears a bit to another passion of yours, a lot of people that know you on a personal level know that you're a huge basketball fan and love to play as much as you can. So one unique part about your job is you get to know people who work for other professional sports teams and the opportunity to know those folks uh, in your area. So you've had the opportunity to play in some NBA arenas. Uh, I have to ask, what's your favorite NBA arena you've played in for a pickup game? <laughs> and Sam, we still got to get together and then hope we haven't done that yet. I know we talked about it a bunch, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, that's, it's, I've always loved playing and, and, uh, super really, really fortunate. Like Tori Lavello, our manager loves to play too. And he really brings this whole thing together. So, um, so, but so it's really, he's really the end on it. Um, you know, <laughs> So the, we've been fortunate to play like some of the, the places that have stood out of the Timberwolves, uh, Warriors, Bulls. I mean, they uh, practice facilities for those have been really fun. It's really top notch. And, um, it, you know, our, our, our communications and media media department um, that work for the Diamondbacks, they've helped us tremendously over the years too with Pat O'Connell and Patrick Kirsch, who's now with the, the Pirates and Casey Wilcox. They've reached out a ton and helped us along the way to establish connections. But uh, to be a favorite, it actually wasn't in the NBA. I think uh, the favorite for me was Fog Allen Fieldhouse in Kansas. Uh, that was mm-hmm. that was pretty that was pretty special. I mean, to be able to play in the main court on that with uh, with all of our with, with our staff and with Tori and the, and the coaches and all that. Like, it's really that was that was something I'll never forget. And uh, we still we still every year we still try to find new places and develop new relationships. And uh, it's it's really a cool thing that really brings us all together and uh, during the season uh, for sure away from the field. Yeah, that's something that's really special. Obviously, Fog Allen is a legendary place, so I couldn't imagine what it's like being in there. Um, On a similar note, we know athletic training in pro sports is such a unique position to be in and an opportunity as well. Uh, Outside of your communication with PBATS members and MLB athletic trainers, how often do you communicate with other athletic trainers in, for example, the NBA, the NFL, NHL, or other sports leagues? Um, do you have a lot of communication with those athletic trainers in those leagues and and for the reason of learning and growing in different areas? Yeah, absolutely. We try to reach out and uh, establish those connections as much as possible. It gets crazy in, you know, in the season, obviously, and uh, with them obviously trying to respect their own, their you know, their space too, and what they have to do from their own uh, professional standpoint. But we try to, we try to do that as best we can. And, and, and it's sometimes it's, it's, you know, Ben Reach and I has a better connection with the sun. Sometimes Ken has a great one with the Cardinals or, and then we all bring it into, into our team here. And, and I think that's an important thing in, in reaching out and establishing connections and other perspectives and other teams, because you can really learn so much um, from things that from other sports, like, um, you know, a good friend with the, the 70, I have a good friend with the 76ers that I, I reached out quite a bit and, and uh, we, we just trade ideas and talk shop and, and, and we and, and exchange ideas and like, Hey, have you thought about this? Hey, you see more, you see more ankle injuries than we do. Like what, what, how, what kind of, how would you approach that with your guy? And, and it's really just a form for learning and sharing. And, and um, it, it's a no brainer for me. And, and I know, I know we could do more of that too, and reach out even more um, and to try to establish those connections because it's uh, there's so much, there's so much to unearth, so much new concepts and perspectives to unearth from from high high quality professionals in other sports. Yeah, that, that's really interesting to hear the kind of the knowledge sharing that goes on along all the professional sports. Uh, it, it's really cool to see. Um, I appreciate you sharing all that information. Um, really good stories and insight for 
athletic training students, professors, and professionals as well. Um, to wrap up today's episode, uh, we're going to finish with a quick Q&A segment that we call Extra Bases. So I'm going to ask you four quick questions, and you'll share some insight into your favorite things about athletic training and baseball. So we'll start off at first base. What is your favorite athletic training room to work in in the big leagues? <laughs> uh, outside of our own, which you know, obviously there's, there's always comfort knowing your own space, but outside of our own, um, geez, I think the, I think I was been really impressed by the newer, the newer kind of establishments, the newer stadiums that have been built up Atlanta and Texas are fantastic. Like they're, 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 they did a really good job putting that together. Um, some of the other ones that stand out, like the New York team, New York Mets and Yankees have really great space in their training room. So, um, I think space and, 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 and updated, updated, uh, I guess, equipment and things like those things all factor in. So those are some of the places that stand out to me. That's interesting. You say, uh, Atlanta, we've had three of our four guests have had the same answer. Uh, <laughs> so they must be doing something right down there. It's, they did a great job there. Yeah. Uh, and moving on to second base, kind of a similar question here. You have a very unique vantage point for games. You're one of the few non-players in the dugout uh, during Major League Baseball games. So what is your favorite stadium to watch a game from the dugout? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously, you know, bias aside, um, you know, with, as you know, with, uh, with my Boston ties, but, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, I tend to lean toward a nostalgic sense. So I think Boston and, and the Cubs are, are really the two places to me. It's just, so, it's so, they're so unique. It's just, you don't see like from the vantage point of the dugout and, and looking at the history of each of those parks and, and the, and, and what they look like and the, the, the crowd behind the teams. It's really, it's really special places. Those are really fun. St. Louis is another one that's really good. San Fran usually has a really good crowd, but you know, hopefully we can, we can get to that point with the Diamondbacks. Um, I know we, one of the younger teams if you know, <laughs> across the league, but hopefully we, in the years to come, we can establish something like that. Yeah, that that's I think a very common answer. Both those, the Cubs and the Red Sox, just the history and also the the stadium being parked right there in the middle of the city is is a really yeah. unique opportunity. Um, on those same lines, headed to third base here, uh, might have the same answer, but you let me know what's your favorite <laughs> city to visit on the road and why. Yeah, you know me well, Sam. So that's the <laughs> that's yeah, the that's yeah, Boston, Boston for sure. It's the Boston for sure is uh you know that's where my roots are and uh, those are. You know, it's, it's, it's all my, all my family's still back there. So it's always really fun to go back there. Um, but outside of that one, I mean, I always, for some reason, Philadelphia is kind of reminds me of that a little bit. Philadelphia's, um, I, I like, for some reason, I like going there, um, city feel to it. Uh, San Diego is a great place out in the West coast. I love going to San Diego. Colorado is very unique. Those are some other places that are on the road cities that I really love to enjoy. And really, I really enjoy and love to explore. That's great. And, and heading to home plate here, uh, did you have a welcome to the big leagues moment at some point during the first few years uh, as an athletic trainer in major league baseball? <laughs> I, it's a great, it's a good question. I mean, some of the things that pop into mind, um, you know, they don't do it anymore for, you know, for you know the anti-hazing side of things, but there used to be in a rookie initiation um, that, that stood out to me that, that when I, my first year and I was, I was taking part in, but I was, you know, as I, I took part, I was included in the, the, the rookie bucket with the players. So one of the things, I think it was maybe JJ puts at the time organized, uh, we had, we had to go to Chaparral high school and learn a cheerleading routine with the Chaparral cheerleading squad and put together like a, <laughs> like a choreographed set. And then we had to display it in front of the camp. So, uh, and then, <laughs> so I, so that was one that stood out to me. That was like, you know, out people not in baseball, they, but those are the fun things that you can obviously get, get to, um, get to do, but that was, that was a memorable one for me. Obviously the, the rookie flights, they don't do the quite do those anymore. 
um, where you, you have costume themed, you dress up and, and, and you have some fun with that. Um, but um, I think one of the other things too is JJ, JJ puts, who was one of the obviously leaders of the clubhouse at the time, but in my first year, uh, just, just even just reaching out and buying a, like a full, full out suit for me, which I thought was like, man, wow, this is, this is how it is in the big leagues. Huh? This, this, they'll, they'll literally, you know, they'll do this for you, which is, you don't see in many other places. It was super generous for him. Never forget that. And, you know, outside of those, those things, I think honestly just running, you know, being on open day on the line with the announcements, having the flyover and, and really first running out onto the field for the first time, having, you know, to address something on the field in, in a major league stadium with, with everybody watching, I think was a, was something that's like, Oh shoot. Okay. This is, this is what it's like. It, it was a unique experience. That, that's really interesting. You mentioned the, uh, those are some great stories and, and Ben Potenziano, our guest on episode one actually talked about the same experience, kind of dressing up and getting on the rookie flight and, <laughs> and, and doing all that stuff. But, you know, hazing is, uh, is not what he used to be, but still, sure. still very cool to, to have those relationships as a, as a newcomer in, in the clubhouse. Uh, well, Ryan, thanks so much for joining the show, sharing all that valuable information with our listeners. We really appreciate your time and your dedication to PBATS and the profession of athletic training. And, uh, we hope to have you on again soon. I appreciate it a ton, Sam. Thank you so much. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm super grateful for the opportunity to contribute here. And that wraps up this episode. Thank you for listening to Inside Athletic Training, a podcast from the Professional Baseball Athletic Trainer Society a show for athletic training students, educators, and professionals who want to learn more about life as an athletic trainer in major and minor league baseball. If you've enjoyed the show, head over to pbats.com to gain access to other free resources. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks again for listening.